Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the Kyle Insect Museum in Kyle, Texas, Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bobby. And in the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. This is your Monday recap edition of Little Red Bandwagon. We're going to take a look back at the latest week of TBTL that was. We'll also cover some LRB business, housekeeping, and how you can get involved in the show. And to start things off, before we get too far into this episode, we'll encourage you to go back and take a listen to the last episode, our Friday show, an interview with Caleb Jeleno, a 10 in Nashville, recently passed the bar, but not practicing law, except for us, our new house legal counsel. Uh, he spoke with us about TBTL, why it matters, waiting for Guffman. Guys, what'd you think of Friday's show? I love Waiting for Gusman. It's it's one of my favorite movies. And I was like, wait, why did it take us so long to get around to this segment? <laughs> so uh, I meant to rewatch it again so that I could experience it along with you guys, but I haven't gotten around to it. But it's definitely on my list. I, I, I feel like it's hard to be a TBTL fan without getting all those references that they constantly use yeah. for Guffman. So it was really good to talk about it. I, too, haven't seen Guffman for a long time, but, I mean, it really came washing back over me. And the thing that struck me most about that episode is uh, it's the movie is about some some people in a small town who have big aspirations and and are, you know, some of them may actually be stars, but we, we may never know. Um, Caleb is a guy in you know, in Tennessee, who we just found who is a star. He was amazing. He was definitely one of the best guests we've ever had. Yeah. So what Mike is trying to say is future guests, you better bring your A game. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I rewatched Guffman like a few hours before we recorded, and I hadn't watched it in many years. And it occurred to me, you're going to get about 40% of Waiting for Guffman in TBTL drops. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. You just it's so many and you just sort of forget just how much of the movie it is until you go back and you realize you're reading along so many scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Meredith, who was also on that episode with us, uh, had not seen Waiting for Government before ever until watching it for this episode, which was really, really great. I'm glad we got to sort of share that experience with her for her first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to your throw your phone moments. Uh, if any of you are active on the Stens page, and I'm sure many of you are, I'm sure that you saw many phones were thrown this <laughs> phones week. Phones were flying. <laughs> phones were flying this week. Yeah, people were building uh, simple machines to fling phones farther, <laughs> slingshots, uh, slings at the Goliath that was the lack of a TBTL summer picnic. But none of those phones are being thrown at us. So uh, thanks, guys. We're going to leave it there. Also, Also the cat stuff. Yes, there was right. there were some phones going around. Did did anyone besides me dip in a little bit on either of those threads? I I read warily when it comes to that stuff because <laughs> right. passions get high very quickly, and uh-huh. I'm not particularly invested in either of those subjects. Right, so right. It's more like anthropological curiosity, but I don't need to stay in there if it's going to get weird. Uh-huh. Right. Well, Bobby, you're you've been a picnic guy though. So did you weigh in at all with your... I did not weigh in. 
because my comments are very simple, which is that uh, no one is owed a picnic. Okay. Well, I'm, we'll get into that. And, well, just, and I, yes. I and I say that as someone who is uh, both royally bummed and a little pissed that I can't come to Austin uh, for scheduling reasons, as as well as you know logistics reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got shit going on the next day, so I just can't do it. But um, no one's out a picnic. End of story. Uh, well, I shouldn't say end of story because we'll see what we can do about that. But no one. You know, whatever. Throw your phones at me if you want. We'll talk next week. Uh, On to our jam tracker. Uh, We've gotten a new donation. It's been a while. uh, And we're flattered that she thought of us. Either it's been a while or the Canadian email is just as slow as Canadian regular mail. And we're just getting it now. (laughs) I'm not sure which. But uh, Laurie McKenzie in uh, Kenora, Ontario, far western Ontario. Thank you uh, for helping getting us out of a jam. Are they Canadian Tire Bucks or American? <laughs> uh, actually, I, I'm pretty sure Canadian Tire money has a better exchange rate than Canadian actual money right now. So yeah. we'll take it if that is it. <laughs> uh, Kenora, Ontario, uh, once known as Rat Portage, Ontario, according to Wikipedia. So, wow. I uh, hope she bought her house before the name change because I'm sure she's seen a huge increase in value. Yeah. <laughs> it being Kenora instead of rat portage. Portage our rats. <laughs> According sure. to the French translation on Wikipedia. Mike, you've got a note here about NFL draft betrayal. Yes, uh, because I've been more infirm in the last uh, several months than at any time in my life. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, NFL Network, and I, I feel like this NFL draft has been something that that I've been looking forward to for a long time and and was really enjoying. So uh, Emily has been going to bed really early since she started her new job. So um, she she goes to bed like at about seven seven thirty, and then you know she'll be asleep by like eight thirty nine. So the the timing of this draft is perfect. I take care of her. I make dinner or whatever, and, and give her a tea and her sweetie or whatever, and put her to bed, and then it's time for me to go watch the NFL draft, which, you know, was two nights and then a day. So, you know, she's futzing around on the internet while I, you know, I, I, I go get ready to watch my draft, and I, I come in, and I and I turn it on, and it's, it's on a commercial, so I decide to go get something to drink and I, I come back and I sit down and, and I think it's another commercial. Um, it's like, uh, all, but all I see is like someone going after a huge blackhead. What? Yeah. Just someone going after a huge blackhead. And I think this is a terrible ad. Oh, this is so gross. So I'm watching her a few seconds and then I just start like, I cover it up. Right. I just put my hand up and then I try to change the channel and I can't change the channel. Uh, and so I just turn the TV off and I, I go back and I, I ask Emily, did you just put a giant blackhead removal video on my television? Cause we've got a television in the back and then the television in the front, which I go to, to watch my draft. And she had, uh, because I'd given her a Mexican martini after dinner, she was a little bit tipsy and she somehow sent, she wanted to put the video up on, on the TV in the bedroom. And she put it on the TV in the office in front of me 
and she, and she's into these videos, and I can tell you that I am not. <laughs> this is something uh. I would prefer. This is a little hobby I prefer. She would keep completely to herself, just like I have my little hobbies. You know what I mean? Just these should not. We should not mix this stuff. And I'm still a little scarred. And she is genuinely apologetic about it, um, having pretty much ruined my evening because I can't get that out of my mind because it's a pretty big screen. I mean, it's not like, you know, sports bar big, but uh, that's, you know, a blackhead that's like six inches wide on your screen. Uh, No, thank you. No, thank you. So that was my week. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) You don't sound sorry. You don't sound sorry to me. It sounds well, like well, you know. I mean, what, what the phrase we use around here is um, when we're 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 sorry, but not too sorry. Is like, I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> I like that. There's no confession of guilt. There's no implication of guilt in that. <laughs> right. Right. It's, you can sit to the side and just be sorry that happened to you. All right. Uh, so you I bought have, a car, buddy. I did buy a car this week. Uh, yesterday, just yesterday, we're recording on Sunday. Sam and I, here's how this happened. Uh, Sam and I left the house yesterday to go to the pick and pull to find used car mats for the Yaris because I've been driving the Yaris for so long and it's a stick. Uh, uh-huh. The spot where my uh, feet pivot. Yeah, your shift, he- your heels just wreaking havoc down there. Just just bore mm-hmm. a hole right through the mat. <laughs> right. And because I think 95% almost Flintstoning the, at this point. Yeah. 95% of the cars that they sell are automatic. So they don't worry about that. Having that little reinforced patch that a good uh-huh. standard transmission mat will have. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I just had a giant hole in the middle of it. And uh, I saw that there was an, a similarly aged Yaris on the junkyard lot at the pick and pull near our house. So we went over and Sam had never been to a junkyard like that before. So I get to show her the, the lineup of grossness. We saw a, a rat that looked like a squirrel or a squirrel that looked like a rat. We're actually not <laughs> sure which. Uh, it was in the driver's seat of an old Audi. Uh, so oh, I was trying to class it up. Did, didn't that rat know that that vehicle is no longer operable? You can't just drive that out of there. <laughs> well, it was just looking for portage, I think. Oh, so, right. <laughs> Nice. Uh, we didn't find any mats and we were leaving. And Sam just looked at me and said, do you want to go to the dealership and just see what the trade-in value of the Yaris would be because she had seen an ad that they were offering great deals on trade-ins right now at our Toyota dealership. And uh, we've been talking about this for months and months, but I'm a cheap bastard. And and so to actually go from dreaming about replacing the Yaris to going and talking to someone and thinking about pulling the trigger is a completely different thing. Uh, I know, but- man. You, you kind of want to – when you got a cheap car, you just want to run it and run it and run it and run it until – you know, it don't run no more. Right. You know? <laughs> I want to bleed it for all it's worth. Plus, I owed a little money on it still. And so mm-hmm. I want it. That's know. a tough pill to swallow, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but we went and uh, everything you've ever heard about buying a car at the end of the month and a month when the dealership's really desperate to make their sales goals. Uh, there's an episode of This American Life about that. Yeah. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, is absolutely true. I walked in. I told them how much I owed. I told them I didn't want to have to eat it in the next loan. Uh, and they like doubled the offer to take the RS <laughs> to get me out of underwater on the RS to mm-hmm. get me into a new car. And I just couldn't turn it down. 
So uh, I'm sporting a 2017 Corolla now, black Corolla, next to Sam's blue nice. one in the driveway. Uh, just like Jeremy and Christy doubled down on Corollas now. Nice. Uh, so you do and, have a little bit to lose now. Right. I am now a man with something to lose. Something to lose. <laughs> uh, and I've gotten some shit uh, yesterday from fellow Yaris enthusiasts and owners that I betrayed them. Uh, I am not here to insult your Yaris. I respect that car. I bought that car when it was the only car I could afford. And it got me through six years of marriage and like three jobs. So, Well, come on. Let's face it. When you're driving a Yaris, it's fine to drive a Yaris. I drive a sorority girl car and a Jetta. So it's, I'm not looking down on, on a Yaris. But when you're driving that kind of car, and not just a Yaris, but that kind of car of every brand, you know, you're hoping your next car is going to be a, a little step up. Yeah. Aren't you? Isn't everybody? It's the American dream. Mm. This is why I didn't Unless vote. you live in San Francisco. If well, you live well, in you San don't. Francisco, the parking issues are so horrendous. You want a small car. That's true. But you also don't want to stick in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> true. So you're going to have to get that automatic Yaris there. But yeah. I was thinking about cars yesterday because uh, Emily got Emily witnessed something in traffic. It was a, an asshole move that it was actually a Jetta driver did. And, and then it made me think, um, because I always think that BMW drivers are the biggest dicks on the road. Uh, and it made me think that when, when, a, when someone in a lesser car than a BMW makes a dick move, it doesn't mean that they're, they don't want to be driving a BMW. Like, like if that Jetta driver ship ever comes in, they're definitely getting a BMW. So I think every bad, bad maneuver on the road is actually a BMW driver or a BMW driver just aspirationally. Okay, sure. Sounds like a vote for lower corporate taxes and uh, uh, the American dream to be an asshole with a BMW. Of owning a BMW and just cutting people off yep. and going up on medians. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I will be slightly more comfortable driving to Boston and uh, looking forward to it. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Mike, why don't you get us started with our Week in Review? All right, the week in review. TBTL this week was no picnic, I got to tell you. Uh, Monday, 2365, Scammy Go Likely. Uh, the Bay Kitty has decided that, that she's going to help out the contractors that are in the house by climbing ladders and uh, climbing into walls and just generally getting in between these people. I hope um, the Burbanks are up to date on their home insurance when the Bay Kitty knocks a contractor off a ladder. Because uh, it doesn't sound good having your having your pets around when you have someone in the house doing work. The, controlling your pets is important. Yeah, I was thinking, shouldn't this be a good opportunity to shut her in a bedroom for a few hours? Mm-hmm. Stick She'll her be outside fine. where she can murder some birds or or mice. Yeah. The 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 show picture. The, why I wanted to talk about this <clears throat> is the the show picture ended up being a wiener dog who had a vest on that had various wrenches for the uh, car mechanic that um, he or she was assisting. And I thought that that was one of the cutest pictures of all time because I'm a sucker for (laughs) wiener dogs. And it also, that seems very real to me because the wiener dogs like to stick very close to their owners. So having a dog like that, when you're working under a car who wants to be around you, that could be useful. 
that dog actually looks like that that looked functional because all that other stuff they were looking up you know cats with you know uh tool vests or whatever those cats aren't going to help you no <laughs> your your yeah. tools are and long the wiener gone. dogs can actually the wiener dog can actually go under the car right yes yes just trot under there right right you're on your <laughs> creeper and you just go come here abby come here i need the wrench you know and she comes in there and you give her a little snacker and and then you fix the car <laughs> thought it was the cutest picture ever luke is on finasteride which is uh, not Propecia only... by any other name. He's trying yes. to shrink his bald spot. Yeah, Propecia. That's the that's the the big brand name, right? Finast- if you get Finasteride, yep. isn't that the generic name? It's the Sam's Club mm-hmm. Cola of Propecia. <laughs> right, right. But uh, he's he's shrinking his prostate, which is good. And who knows about the bald stuff? I I guess it probably slows the balding, but. Now, does, does stuff ever really work on growing new hair? I mean, and no, you're a scientist. Not, well, when I was doing research for the, when we had the advent of the laser baldness helmet, that is one of the things that I read about is that there is some very small evidence that you might be able to hang on mm-hmm. to more hair when you use those products. But if the hair is dead and gone, there is no possibility of regrowth. Yeah. So I, I think if Luke's going to do this, he's at least approaching it with the correct expectations, not expecting that he's going to sprout new growth. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I love that he's let us in on all this because mm-hmm. it's really it's really a fun ride rather than just, you know, try to secretly do all this stuff. It's it's fun to hear him and his attitude about it. And I, I actually love Andrew's attitude about going bald is just. Meh, you know. Well, I, I was thinking about this. Um, there are people that Luke has used through the years as a a benchmark that he hasn't met for his success. And two of those people are uh, Peter Sagal and mm-hmm. Mike Pesca. Yes. Mm. And both of them have basically full polished domes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Luke should just give in. Well, <laughs> well, here's the thing that he he looks really good right now with the great temples, and um, I don't. How do I say this? He's a handsome guy, but I don't think he has the face to pull off the the full baldness, at least at this point. Okay, now I can you know see what that because we were talking about how he he doesn't want to wear the headphones. Uh, when he's doing the videos because he thinks his face mm-hmm. is too large. And I don't know. So so I think that's why he, more than those other guys, is hanging on to it. And and believe me, it's very it's very freeing. When I finally decided that my hair was too stupid to to maintain or, or you know, to, to front with and started to go shave my head, it was very freeing. It's awesome. Feels great in the summer. You know, and one day he'll get there, but it'll have to be a day when when he lets go and lets God about his his vanity about his looks. So, I mean, Sagal rocks it, Pesca rocks it. I don't know if Luke could rock it as mm-hmm. successfully. So, I think that's why he's holding off. Just have to become a hat guy. You, you, <laughs> right. you shave I mean, it, but then you have that. Uh... Put on the Ma- Maga trucker hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Gone with the Wind sequel. 
is discussed. That's a book, I believe, Scarlet in Europe. Do you know anything about this, Anne? Are you a... I, I read Gone with the Wind when I was in seventh grade, and I hated it so much. Mm-hmm. I would never read any sequels. I fucking hated Scarlet O'Hara. I'm like, why do we care about this selfish bitch? Mm-hmm. She's a terrible person. I'm not rooting for her. So no sequels for me. My first experience, I, I did not read that book. Uh, I, w- I had to watch the movie. It was like... My college girlfriend, we had just gotten together, and she was like a huge fan of Gone with the Wind. And so, so like every new boyfriend or friend had to sit and watch Gone with the Wind with her. And, you know, if if I wasn't really into her, you know, that would that would have been even tougher. You know, if, if, the, if I'd been lukewarm on her as a girlfriend, which I wasn't, I was really into her, I think I would have walked out during the intermission, you know, <laughs> before we popped in the second VHS tape and just, all right, good night. Andrew goes to the uh, gala, this charity thing for abused women that um, Vive seems very involved with. And he's underdressed and he storms away from the bar after he uh, tries to get the frou-frou fancy drink with all the preparation for free. And he seems to be the only one when he's telling the story that realizes uh, why would they have a signature cocktail if it weren't to... I just this one got to me, Bobby. You you do a lot of these things. How painful was this to listen to? It's the part that was painful for me was less from a professional perspective and more from just an O Andrew mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. because he just got so far in his own head about the whole thing. If he had just said, "Oh, a misunderstanding," I'll pay for the drink, no problem. Or, "Oh, a misunderstanding. Uh, I don't have my wallet with me." back at the table just give me a beer yeah exactly i mean so many ways to fix this but he just got so wound up over nothing (laughs) uh and uh yeah and then at the end of the day i mean i see this all the time uh i said you could throw your phones at me next weekend uh but actually you can't i'm not going to be on the recap next week because i have a gig next weekend i'm helping manage uh, a fundraising gala benefit dinner silent auction i do it every year and we get these people who come in and they're looking for a good deal in the silent auction. Right. (laughs) Oh man, that's crazy. I've been at those things too. It's like, what? Like you've, you've forgotten why you're here. You know, uh, if you wanted a good deal, just go home and get on Groupon and order a pizza. Don't come to this very nice restaurant in Westchester and, uh, fuck up my silent auction by thinking you can bid $1 over someone at the last second. Oh, (laughs) I know. Uh, yeah, people just lose sight of the whole purpose of the event. Just, just be ready to throw your money at everything and anyone. And if you don't have the money, then, then don't, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, he just, he wound himself up so much and, and it, I just can only imagine all the people around him being like, what, what's going on with this guy? (laughs) Like he's just, well, what I'm hoping very confused. I'm hoping that this is. Andrew overthinking the situation in general, not that he made a huge deal, but that he feels like he made a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. maybe his reactions are magnified in his own head. So it really wasn't a big thing. It's right. just that he's so self-conscious about it. And when he gets into these uh, situations and he wants to tell the story, I can always tell 
when he starts adding the tiniest, tiniest details, like this story should have taken two minutes to tell and it takes 15 minutes to tell because he's got to make sure that everybody knows every little thing that he was thinking and every eyebrow nuance so that he can sort of build his case. And that always makes me think that it's way more in his head than in reality. That that kind of thing could have happened five times with that signature cocktail. It's just people had never been to something like this before. Sure. You know, it could have happened way more than just him. But, uh, but, you know, it's one of those things you, you live and learn, you know, like you, you either have that happen to you or you witness it happen before you were just about to try to get one of those signature cocktails for free. And then you then you then you're like, oh, well, man, I'll just have a beer, you know. Right. But uh, so, you know, it's something sounds like she's going to be involved with that thing for a long time. So next year he'll be he'll be cool and he'll be dressed for it and it'll yeah, be a lot less a, stressful. Wear a damn suit. Yeah. And and he's got a he needs to he needs an attitude check on this one. He's got to learn how to embrace this and happily go with his long term girlfriend to her fundraiser for abused women without being like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. He's, he's just got to be a big boy about it. As Phyllis said in our show chat, why can't he just smoke a bowl and go to the thing with a smile on his face? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's legal. Just do it. You'll be happy. Everything will be cool. You won't even need to drink, probably. Just relax. You'll just show up. They'll put a bowl of candy by the door. You just answer it every time somebody wants to come up and ring your doorbell. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Don't get me started. All right. Luke was in an awesome uh, poker home game in Gresham, Oregon. Uh, Gresham's not the greatest town, but um, I'm glad he got in this good home game. One thing that bothered me is that he said one of the interesting things about this home game was that everyone had a beard. Uh, I want to say, I I have a beard. Bobby, you have a beard. Yes, Beards do. don't make you interesting. They just, <laughs> they just don't. At this point, you know, there are lots of guys with beards out there outside of Luke. I mean, maybe he's fascinated because he can't grow one, but most guys can grow them. Almost every guy has, and... Uh, I'm, I was no more interesting when I grew a beard than when I didn't have one. So. Well, he's just angling for one of those, uh, laser baldness chin straps. <laughs> right. <laughs> like just strap it to his face and have the English lady yell at him. Monty, the dog is the most interesting character to me at the poker game. Of course. But, um, I don't know. I've never been in a uh, home poker home game, so I think, it, I think it'd be fun. Other than the occasional pickup game with friends, and it's Mm -hmm. been a long time. Uh, And I'm just also terrible at poker. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I like like impulsive gambling. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot, which is why I don't do it. But um, the the culture around a game of poker just I've never really experienced. It It takes a lot of experience to really get good at poker. I could say I'm, I'm average, you know. But Luke is probably a very good poker player at this point. It sounds like these guys are good. I wouldn't want to get involved in that game. Yeah. Because I would be looking around the table for the sucker MC and wouldn't be able to find him. <laughs> and I wouldn't see him. <laughs> and I'd go, uh oh. Uh oh. So my question is, how do you find out about these house games? He was at I mean, a wasn't how he does at a word casino? Get around? I think he was at a casino and then 
guys, you know. And he met somebody who was like, hey, we got a game. Yeah. You want to come? Uh, yeah. That's how, how the, those type of games, you, that's how you find out about them. Oh, boy, that sounds dangerous. Well, you get to know people, though, when you're playing. Yeah, because I play a lot of blackjack in my life, and you do kind of get to know and befriend people pretty quickly just because there's nothing else to do because the game is kind of rote. You you know what you're going to do with every hand and everything, so there's time to talk and socialize. So I don't think it's too dangerous. It's a built-in excuse to springboard into a social life, much like we use TBTL to make this podcast. Yeah, there you go. With just one fewer beard. (laughs) Sorry, Ann. (laughs) Oh, wait. Uh, Andrew gets a message on his phone, which I haven't gotten yet, but I don't get a lot of solicitation calls. In fact, I don't know if I've ever (laughs) gotten one on my cell phone that said scam likely. Have you guys experienced this? No. I have not seen that, although my phone uh, explodes with spam calls every day. I get several. Oh, Emily's does too. It's awful. Uh, This is still thanks in part to the person who uh, a year or two ago now signed me up for the Acorn Stairlifts uh, mailing list. They are incredibly Mm. aggressive and sold my name to everyone, I think, because now half the calls I get are for geriatric-oriented products. So someone signed you up for that as a joke? Yes. I'm sorry that happened to you, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Mike. Sure. Andrew's friend. Thank Emily for me, too. (laughs) Andrew's friend uh, thinks she spotted a guy fishing. Um, so they did a role play. I thought it was a, not a bad role play, you know, for, for them because they, they have sort of a huge range of success when they role play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The dazzling donor this Monday is Bobby Pape, none other than Bobby Pape. And he, he got us some great George Brett. Just once they started playing a little George Brett, they had to play more and more and more. George Brett. I kind of figured that they wouldn't be able to just play a little. You can't. You can't. There's so much gold there. You just got to let it roll. Well, Luke has it totally memorized. He was reciting along with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, if I heard it two, two more times, I think I could nail the whole thing. I think we could just do it. Yeah. Do it live. Uh, I was catching up on podcasts the other day and uh i've been in the car a little more than normal recently more trips up to boston lately and stack of dimes recently replayed their first ever episode back into their feed yeah i was just i'm just getting to that i just got through the intro i haven't gotten to the episode yet and one of the things they mentioned is they just sort of they just mentioned the george brett tape as one of those great pieces of audio that they might need to explore someday Mm -hmm. and sure enough i mean hundreds of episodes later that's it's a solid part of their show is just those clips over and over again but i mean i just i've always loved that tape i had a fantasy football team named black bucks no socks one year (laughs) that's great (laughs) uh and i'm gonna cut in because i think not to talk about my donation whatever i'm glad to support tbtl and i'm glad that they checked us and passed along our thanks to everyone who supported the gofundme for you and Emily, Mike, Mm -hmm. Um, I liked the conversation that came out of this, which was, uh, would Andrew be as loyal to Luke as George Brett's friend is? (laughs) (laughs) 
blocking him on the escalator, finding him a bathroom, bringing him a change of clothes. Hey, I I would do, I would do that for a stranger. You have to have some empathy. You have to, you know, this is this is a bad day for this person. You know, and if you can help them at all in something through something like that, you're you got to do it. That's just an awful thing to have happen. But he, George Brett, seems to take it really. <laughs> Really well. I mean, well, I mean, you know, when you're as well good as you for, can, when you're good for that, about twice a year. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you I mean, just kind of roll, roll with it. Just hasn't happened to me that often, so I, I get, I would get more rattled, I think. <laughs> but, but well, Andrew already spe- spent an entire Sunday morning breaking into somebody's house to get Luke's passport. Yeah, that's an excellent. And then running around to FedEx it wherever. So yeah, he's yeah. definitely on that path. Yeah. Quite a contrast um, between Don Hafner last week, the donor who, you know, plugged the charity she works for, and then we got Bobby just saying, "Play some, play some shit tape." <laughs> I want to hear shit tape. Uh, I know RP ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you super served. The top story: Luke puts the coast to coast theme uh, because there is a twelve-year-old who twelve-year-old who drove across Australia apparently. Because uh, I think he got hollered at. Um, and what, one thing that struck me about that story is they said, uh, like, watch out. There are lots of stray emus and wombats and this and that. Those aren't strays. Those are just emus and <laughs> wombats. You know what I mean? Where are they straying from? Versus where your, they live. Your domestic emus and wombats. Yeah. They've all gotten out. Oh, they're all over the road. Damn it. So they talk about um, uh, what what kind of punishment this kid's going to face, which I don't think they knew. And Luke talked about his story where he called the sex line and rolled up thousands of dollars. Um, Bobby, you're too young, but this this was kind of a thing back in the day. And boy, could they get you for some money because there'd be a live lady on the line talking to you. And I think it still exists in some form, but. Man, that that shit was like you had to avoid that like the plague, and Luke was too young to know that, and he called and just <laughs> the ladies kept him on the line because that's what they do. Yeah. They don't care. I thought it was really interesting. In he was talking about um, doing things that are too bad for punishment, mm-hmm. like running up a thousand thousand multiple thousands of dollars on a sex line. Like, what are his parents going to do to punish him? He's like nine. He's not going to pay the money back, but they're going to ground him. What? And I, I don't know. I don't didn't think that there was ever anything that I did that was too bad for punishment. Yeah, yeah. But it to me, it's like punishing a dog later on. You know, for something they did earlier. It's like what, Luke doesn't really understand what he did. He doesn't know. You know. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of a weird situation. So the runaway stories start. Andrew stole change and 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 ran away. Didn't get too far. Um, wow. Oh, and then then uh, he he got it. Oh, this is my favorite story of the week. The stra- the the strangers came up to him, and they were looking for him. And they like opened the window or opened the door and said, uh, "Are you Andrew Walsh? Uh, come on, get in. I'll take you home." And he didn't want to get in the car because stranger danger and all that. So they started giving details about um, did you just ran away? Your your parents are 
And I, I can't remember. I can't remember. What's his dad's name? Bob. Bob, right. Your parents are Bob and BJ. So his mom or his stepmom was named BJ? Is this, is this, is this accurate? That can't happen anymore. I don't know. I don't think he's ever mentioned her name before, but it would be his mom. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a male friend named BJ, and I had to break it to him one time. No, you got to go back to Brian. This, this isn't working anymore. <laughs> you can't have this name. Sorry. I mean, it's probably short for Barbara Jean or something. Of course it is. Of course it is. But no, this is a running conversation that we've been having for a couple of weeks now about words that need to be retired from the general yeah. language. Words and terms, yeah. you know. I'll eventually write it all down. Yeah, it'll be your magnum opus. Absolutely. Um, Andrew, when he gets home, um, the police come and his dad comes down to get him to talk to the police, I guess. And he's reading the Reader's Digest in the shower. <laughs> Just the My absurdity goodness. of this whole scene. <laughs> There's police in the living room or whatever. And Andrew's just reading in the shower. Yeah. And it's a reader's digest. I know. When you if you, if you catch if you catch your your son holding some reading material outside the shower, you don't expect <laughs> it to be a reader's digest. Let's just say that. Penthouse forum, maybe. Not reader's digest. <laughs> Uh, runaway stories, you guys have any? I didn't run away, run away at all. Nobody nobody ever pissed me off that much. I got mad about something when I was probably six, and I'm sure it was about um, injustice. My parents treating me unjustly as compared to my brother. Right. Or something. That was always so a thing with you and your brother. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I packed up my lunchbox with, I'm sure, sensible snacks. We had no junk food in the house. So like Andrew said, he took apples and Luke was amazed. <laughs> but that's probably what I did too. And I took my backpack and I packed a change of clothes and I, I was like, you'll be sorry now. And I set off and I got about halfway around the block and I thought, eh, and I went home. Yeah. Nowhere to stay really is the problem when you're... No, I mean, I felt like I prepared pretty well, but I didn't have much of a plan as to where I was going to go. Mm -hmm. Right. You got to meet the guy in the gas station parking lot who's willing to drive before you make your plan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a runaway story, really. I texted my mother about this because I couldn't remember one. And she did write back to me and say that when I was seven or eight, I apparently wanted to run away. And so somehow she heard me say this or found out about this and decided to see how far I could get in my planning and encouraged me to call my grandmother who was living out of town at the time, because that's where I said I might go and like talk to her about it and figure out how I would get there. And now my mom says that was a, a learning experience. She wanted me to just, just see how that would go. Uh, I talked to my grandmother on the phone, apparently, and was immediately talked out of running away. Mm -hmm. My grandmother didn't see the humor in this and yelled at my mom later. <laughs> mm. uh, and I'm starting to wonder now if my mom was just kind of hoping she could get rid of me. Right. <laughs> if grandma was down, said, all right. This is, you know, uh, joking at first, but, you know, if, if she'll go for it. Uh, It'll be the summer of candy. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually thought Meredith had the cutest story. She said when she was four, she decided to run away and live under the bushes, like down the block from her house, because you could get 
under there and people couldn't see you. And she was, she had her parents' co-op number. And so she was just going to buy a bunch of bananas. So she would just live in the bushes and eat bananas and read books. Oh, and yeah. not throw the, throw the banana peels into Andrew's wastebasket. That one. <laughs> yeah, I have things to say about that. <laughs> uh, is it possible that Meredith's runaway plan was inspired by a tongue twister? She's just got bushels of bananas in the bushes with her books. Yeah. <laughs> Killer B plan. All right, I'm going to um, just go rapid fire through the rest of this because Monday is, is taking, taking me too long. Luke wants to take the un- uh, unicycle on the trip. Andrew says no. There's no email or V-mail, but they play the Mellow Yellow uh, TBTL voicemail line jingle, which is pretty good. Livewire is going to be in Pendleton this week. Uh, no point conversions. No point conversion. Andrew's not getting to watch a lot of Mariners because they, the games don't jive with his schedule. Uh, Leonis Martin is uh, out of options, and he's put on waivers, and they don't understand any of that. Uh, they're both mad at Nelson Cruz because he's hitting homers at times when they're not needed. And Luke should just remember Ken Phelps is all I can say about that. And to, to Luke's credit, this time he corrected Andrew when he said points instead of runs. <laughs> that was the highlight of the no point conversion for me. It was just Luke not letting that slide again. But he did not correct Andrew when he talked about pontooning Valencia and Vogelbach <laughs> at first base. <laughs> if I had not been so busy this week, there would have been a Photoshop of the two of them co-piloting a pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it sucks when someone hits a ground ball to first base and you're ready to catch it, but it bounces off your pontoon. The problem with pontooning at first is that they're very bulky and slow to navigate. Right. They're not the right. ideal boat you want at first base. No. You, you, you need to range to your right to catch a ground ball, and you just can't, you know, it's just not going to go fast enough. It's getting yeah. right through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex Chriscraft, on the other hand, is knocking <laughs> things out of the park. Sure. Uh, that's It's good that we're going to leave no point there. It's just better for everyone. Uh, to Tuesday, 2366, Super Mario 3, Revenge of the Mar. Uh, Andrew tried to identify Fred Armisen's Larry King impression, but fails. Uh, so just like on After These Messages, Andrew believes that he is the king of identifying these things, but isn't. He's not. <clears throat> and that's. No, that was so easy. It was pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> you could I got it on the tell. second time. I didn't get it on the first time because I wasn't trying to get it. But on the second time, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. But right. I have been watching some Portlandia lately. So. Well, and even if you don't know exactly who the actor is immediately, you immediately know it's a Larry King impression. Mm-hmm. And so that helps you narrow it down to, like, who has played Larry King. Anyway, Who could sport those suspenders in such a ridiculous way? And Fred right. Armisen pulls it off. Uh, on to the beginning of the end of civilization as we know it among the tens. News that... Uh, Due to scheduling and, though not said out loud, basically said out loud what sounds like a lack of sponsorship from Chateau Saint-Michel, there's not going to be a CSM picnic this year. Light the tire fires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had this in my notes for for Wednesday when they talked about the responses. 
But um, with all peace and love, peace and love to my friends in the Pacific Northwest, stop being such whiny babies about the picnic. Now you know how the rest of us have had to experience TBTL. You guys get one to two live events every year for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. What are you complaining? Oh, no, but it was so nice to bring my kids and my dogs. Shut up. (laughs) Tell your 11 goodbye. Buy a plane ticket and get your ass to Austin. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's going to cost me hundreds of dollars (laughs) and I'm going to do it. That's awesome to hear, Ann. Yeah. There are a lot of people doing that too. You're not alone. Yeah. The first TBTL picnic, I cried that night because I wanted so desperately to go, but Mm. I couldn't. So welcome to my world, people. This Mm. is just how it goes. And it doesn't mean that as somebody said... That Luke and Andrew now think that they have the Pacific Northwest locked up so that they don't have to pay attention. And now they're cultivating the rest of the country. And this person then said, you should have waited to say that till after the tbt elephant, as if this is so important oh. that it would change your ideas about oh, donating to the Luke show. Luke hates that shit. He hates that. Come on. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have flown across the country to go to TBCL events multiple times. <laughs> and again, I'm pissed. I can't go to Austin, but it's not because it's in Austin. It's just a, you know, a scheduling thing in my life or else I would be there. Uh, if you can go, that's great. And if you don't have the means to go, that's unfortunate. Uh, and it is what it is. Honestly, and Christy will lead the charge on this, that the picnic is not all it's cracked up to be. It's great that you get to see everyone, but it's, usually crowded and especially last year i wasn't there but it rained out and everyone got wedged into that that mm-hmm. room uh you get thrown out early because there's other stuff going on there's a bunch of rules like it's out in woodenville which is beautiful but it's pretty far out of the way for seattle like there's all these reasons it's not that great and uh seattle tens we love you you guys have the luxury of getting mm-hmm. together pretty much anytime you want right Organize just, a just picnic, you dummies. The local local tents and other communities do this all the time. Just just yeah. throw a party. Yeah, and I I don't mean to be hard hearted. Like if you're disappointed that there won't be any picnic, I understand that, and you can say, "Oh, I'm really sad that there won't be a picnic." But this sort of wailing and gnashing of teeth is a little bit much. It's weird to see entitled etiquette hosted by the entire Stens page instead of just <laughs> Luke and Andrew. Luke's rubbed off on all of us. Yeah. Um, I am sure something will come together this summer or fall in Seattle. It may be LRB. Mm -hmm. It may not be. It may be driven by tens, you know, independently. Who knows? Something tells me we will find a way to to see one another socially as fans of this podcast. I told Luke to cancel the picnic and come down to Austin instead. He did it. Blame me. It's me. (laughs) Let me have my bottle. Uh, and just while you're clear, uh, there is no guest room at uh, Mike's house. Sorry, guys. Uh, a- Andrew uh, flips the quizzing script on Luke with a clip of Fran Lebowitz. Yep, that was my response, too. I wouldn't have gotten it either. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Um, that's, that's a legitimately hard yeah. one. Even Even for a Fran Lebowitz fan like Luke. 
Uh, we do find out that Luke keeps uh, the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on his computer just for rainy days to make them rainier, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. And uh, because Space Car was able to play the audio of DVDs, it was just the audio of Curb Your Enthusiasm over and over again and some 30 Rock. You could do worse. Yeah. Um, Andrew gets into a talk about his top 10 movies of all time, including 1989's Batman. Still. <laughs> I can't throw too much shade. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is still probably top five for me. I mean, I get that there are those movies that just stay with you. Uh, but uh, I don't know that 1989's Batman. Uh, that's the one with the the nipples on the suit, isn't it? No. That's that's the third Batman with George Clooney. This is the original Michael Keaton Batman. Oh, right. See, with I get them all Nicholson. mixed up because I, I was young and didn't care that much. It was a pretty good one. I liked it. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to mention the Batman nipples. I didn't really have a reason. <laughs> uh, Luke sees himself in a documentary called Win It All, which is about compulsive gambling. I I don't think it's a documentary. Because I, I listened to a podcast on no. The Ringer about uh-uh. it. And it's a, oh. it's a dramatic movie. Yeah, it stars um, Jake Johnson from New Girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's okay. like the only uh, name in it, and he's like he took a big chance to, to make it with this other guy, and and it's getting a lot of great reviews. I want to see it. Got it. Yeah. I, well, he it's a the um it's a Joe Swanberg film, and they've made movies together. Mm-hmm. I think they made one I saw called Drinking Buddies. So it seems like a kind of a creative partnership there. They're like self funding their movies. They're not studio mm-hmm. movies. So yeah, it's interesting. And, Got and it. I love gambling, so I I want to see that too. Um, maybe I just, uh, I, I must've crossed his seeing himself in it with the, with it being documentary in nature, but yeah, comedy film and Keegan Michael Key has a small ish. It looks like role in it too, or maybe not small. I don't know, but, um, yeah, little, little, um, pause for concern when you hear him realizing that he sees himself in a movie about a compulsive gambler. Uh, I know that it is a little bit on the edge of. Of dangerous behavior, right? I I worry more when guys don't realize that they love gambling and they then they keep gambling. <laughs> like what? I don't have a problem, you know. Where's yeah. the cash machine? <laughs> uh, Tuesdays we don't have to do every dazzling donor, but I just wanted to note that Tuesdays is mattress Matt, nicknamed mattress. Oh right, only because he wrote a haiku last year that stuck with the guys, and he wrote a new haiku this year. Uh, I, not the hardest kind of poetry to write. No, not at all. Uh, and I forgot to write down the haiku, so we'll just leave it there. Uh, top stories. Uh, we get the Coast to Coast uh, theme back out, um, shelved from Monday for UFO sightings data, uh, to which I wrote, blah, 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 not quite directly slamming hillbillies, but close. <laughs> he kept looking for ways in that data to <laughs> slam hillbillies. <laughs> uh, and again, once again. Uh, without Meredith here, you're shouldering 100% of the science duties of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, what I wrote down was this is the problem when amateurs analyze data. It's if you if you get enough of it and you taffy pull it in enough ways, you're going to find a pattern. Whether it's an actual pattern, whether there's um, some um, unexplained UFO effect in there, I doubt very much. But 
just counting up the numbers and rearranging them is does is not scientific research. So, I mean, I guess I applaud these two that they um, they made it simply data and didn't make observations from it, but they left all the observations to all the people reading the book. And there's no doubt which way they want people to come down on it. Yeah. I think all research should stop on this topic because it's not extraterrestrials. It's just stuff in the sky, no. probably government stuff. No. Who cares? Yep. And it's been said before, but if there were actually aliens coming down to study us, why are they going to abduct the corn farmer from Nebraska <laughs> and take him up and poke his butt? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Yep. Well, unless he's... These are very... These are aliens with a very specific fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Luke has a female friend. I don't know why the gender was specified, but it was. Luke has a friend who was a lady uh, who recently admitted to being sort of a 9-11 truther. Uh, and I think we can all agree that even if jet fuel can't melt steel, it can melt friendships. That is a deal breaker. <laughs> that's a friendship breaker. I can't yep. be around someone that stupid. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a friend once who was saying that she just can't believe in evolution because it doesn't make any sense to her. And she said, I mean, look at a zebra. I mean, how would that be evolution? I'm like, you pick zebra <laughs> as your example? Pick platypus. Don't pick zebra. Right. Yeah. Pick something that... that She's still my friend, but... Not not very functional yeah. animal. <laughs> She's. She, I'm still friends with her, but I'm not going to lie. I have not thought the same of her since yeah. she said that. Uh, good. Uh, you have better friends, Anne. We're here for you. Uh, <laughs> in the follow-up file, golf uh, is professional golf. Uh, seems overall uh, to be changing its rules to avoid future situations like the viewer who called in a violation and had a championship revoked for someone in the was it an LPGA tournament a couple of weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, and it's a it's amazing that it was even a thing in the first place that someone could call in about what they saw on TV. And the the reason it pissed me off more than, I mean, okay, let's say, let's say that's going to be okay. The viewers can call in and they can police the tournament. Well, then you have to have cameras on every single golfer on every single shot, mm -hmm. which you don't. The, the cameras are on the leaders and she was the leader of the tournament. So the camera was on her. Who knows if the person in 46th place is kicking their ball out of the woods because there's no camera on them. So it's not fair. You're, they're being over-policed. If you're, lead, if you're the, better the better player and you're in front of the tournament, if you allow viewers to police, then they're over-policed and whoever's not on TV is under-policed. So that's why it made no mm. sense to start with for me. Yeah, I'm going to call the NHL about the – Game six, Stanley Cup winning goal, Brett Cole scored in 1999. And see if we can't get that reversed to get a game yeah. seven back on the books for uh, yeah, get, get the Sabres. All the guys back out there. Uh, email. Uh, the new McDonald's uniforms are futuristic looking. Uh, I guess I missed the thread on why that mattered a ton. Oh, because of the Mindy Kaling commercial. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently that's actually similar in style to some of these new uniforms. Um, I cannot imagine the employees of my local McDonald's wearing anything but the disgusting black polos that they're usually wearing. <laughs> Not that I go to that McDonald's very often, but I do hit the drive-thru for coffee sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Me too. We can't all have broadcast coffee every morning. And we shall not go to the place that we shall not speak of. Right. <laughs> uh, Andrew had breakfast for lunch, uh, uh, chicken fried steak, and a soda with it at breakfast. You had a chicken fried steak. That's not exactly breakfast. Well, it is if you're doing breakfast right. <laughs> you can have a Coke with your fucking chicken fried steak. It's not like you're having Absolutely. pancakes. Yeah. I would have a Diet Coke with pancakes anyway. Yeah, You don't have to apologize yeah. for that anyway. Yeah, if That's what you want. Exactly. It. I have weird rules, personally, that I find it weird to break. Like, I won't drink Diet Coke before noon. And it's a pretty, it's a oh, hard Bobby. thing. Like if, if I walk into the kitchen at 1130 and I'm really thirsty and I reach in the fridge for a Coke and then realize it's 1130, I will actually have a moment where I have to decide whether I'm going to break that rule or not. And I might break mm. it, but it's just something that was instilled in me as a child, which is weird because we drank so much soda when I was a kid. Uh, but, but for some reason it was always not until at least noon. I mean, and, you know, this doesn't even account for daylight savings time. I don't know if that rule's supposed to shift an hour. Hmm. Uh, Anne just goes, it's it's noon somewhere, and she cracks open her <laughs> Diet Coke at nine. Look, when I started working at the Taco John's, the first thing you do is snap the nozzles on the soda fountain and get that sweet, sweet Diet Coke coming out at 7.30 a.m. Yep. <laughs> yep. Might if I'm going well, to fry 200 taco test. shells. <laughs> I've got no qualms about the bottle of Bailey's I put in my new office this week and the cabinet above the Keurig, but noon for Diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get a clarification on optioning players to the minors. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> and um, TBTL is now part of a Peabody award-winning network, or at least uh, Peabody adjacent, uh, which yes. is worthy of a new stamp at some point. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that's Tuesday. Okay, let's go to Wednesday, number 2367. We're still doing a Song of the Summer contest. Promise. Second piece of bad news during the week. <laughs> <laughs> that is another thing, is that why would people think that Song of the Summer is dependent on the picnic? It was being done years before we ever had a picnic. Right. So there's no reason they can't continue to do it. If only. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out that Rudy is the kid who always had a note to get out of gym class, which I love, as she is uninterested in doing any dog-like things at the dog park. And uh, Olive almost fulfilled the promise of getting closed into (laughs) the in-between. Yeah. Although she was never actually really anywhere in danger of doing that. But there was a a momentary panic that that was going to happen. Uh, then they talked about the um, the picnic and why there wasn't going to be a picnic, and we don't have to rehash that. Uh, we'll go to the fact that Luke's debit card number was stolen this morning, and while they were on the phone with the credit card company, or I guess the bank, they were watching charges being put onto <laughs> That's it. That's exciting. Uh, it was the exciting. First, the, first, the first thing that I want to say is I, I don't know how – um, how true this is, but I heard just don't use your debit card on the internet. Always mm-hmm. use your credit card on the internet because your debit card goes straight into your bank account and your credit card is just gathering up a future payment. Yep. So uh, 
whether that makes any practical difference, I'm not super thrilled at the idea of seeing my money vanish from my account. I have uh, firsthand accounts of both of these, um, debit card versus credit card. I've been through the process on both for little things. And I can tell you that with a credit card, it is significantly easier to deal with fraudulent charges. Yep. Um, on a debit card, uh, my work debit card uh, for my day job a couple of years ago was compromised and was starting to get these charges on them from other places. And I had to shut it down America pretty quick. Um, and it took crap loads of paperwork. I had to go into the bank, bank branch. I had to declare that it was a fraudulent charge. I had to sign a bunch of stuff. It took like a month for them to refund like a $40 fraudulent charge. It took them way too long to turn off the card and replace it. And we did not have a credit card for the company back then. And I got us a credit card after that for this very reason, mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. we were doing online payments with the debit card because it was the only card we had. And it was a fucking mess. Um, but a few years ago, when Sam and I were on our honeymoon in Aruba, not to brag, um, we had a credit card that we only used for booking this bed and breakfast basically where we stayed in aruba this little tiny place and it got compromised two days after we got there and so we kind of know that it was compromised somewhere in that transaction because it's the only time we'd used it and a walmart in texas unless it was mike was running up all these charges on our credit card and all i did was call them and say we're in aruba we're on our honeymoon this isn't us and they said oh okay and they canceled the card mm-hmm and just reversed all those charges immediately just by my saying, we're, we're clearly not there right now. Um, and I, I don't even think I've, I did any paperwork for that. No, we've had similar experiences <laughs> with, with both. And, and yeah, use your credit card online. Uh, the highlight to that for us was uh, when we were done at the end of the week, we'd also rented a car sort of informally from this bed and breakfast. And uh, I, they threatened to charge an extra $40 on my credit card because I never filled the gas tank back up. But they were cheap and cut corners everywhere, and I decided I was going to stick it to them. And they tried to run that $40 charge on the card that got canceled because they let the number out. Nice. And I just said, no, oh, <laughs> come and get me if you have a problem. I'm not in your country anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, they talk about uh, why don't you have to put your pin in when you buy something online? Like, I, I think they sort of lack the understanding of exactly the process of how your credit card number gets stolen and so forth. But eventually they do get around to remembering the little three-digit number on the back of the card that you do have to enter in for mm -hmm. online transactions. That is the CVV2 card, and I dealt with it a lot for people making phone purchases at the store. Um, my favorite part of these, oh, before I get to that, Andrew said that credit cards don't have a pin. They actually do. I got pins, uh, pin numbers for my credit cards before I went to Europe last time, since people said that was a good idea. So you, you certainly can add that extra level of yeah. security. And then my, my favorite thing was that Andrew speculates that this was actually Carrie orchestrating all of this, uh, credit card a debit card number being stolen so that Luke will have to stop spending because now at this point he has lost or misplaced any other credit or debit cards that he has. And this is his one remaining card and now they're getting it shut off. So genius. <laughs> um, let's see. Top story for today is that uh, 
Waymo is conducting a self-driving car trial in Phoenix, and Luke is all excited about this. He thinks it's going to be so cool just to get in the car and tell it where to go and then sit back and enjoy the ride for free until he figures out that they're going to have a technician in the car at all times with you. And he's pretty bummed about that. But I'm going to say, if I'm taking part in the beta testing of the self-driving cars, I want a person in there who can hit the brake. So I'm trying to picture it. So the the person... The technician just sits behind the sits behind the wheel and has to be paying full attention at all times and be ready to grab the wheel and hit the brake I mean at just a second's notice so they've they've got to be on top mm-hmm. of their shit that's that sounds to me more stressful than actually driving for that person <laughs> anyway. I was wondering what qualifies one to be one of these technicians. I'm not expecting they've got tenured professor scientists. No. I'm assuming that there's just an ad on Craigslist saying, "Right, hey, we need you to wear a lab coat and pay twelve dollars, get twelve dollars an hour to hey, sit in the driver's seat of the car." Throw a lab coat on your Uber, or your Lyft driver, and they're, they're sitting there, <laughs> ready to be an Uber or Lyft driver when the car stops working. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want to get in on the tests for that technology i'll wait until that's established before i start (laughs) getting into my driverless car luke can go ahead and um, be on the vanguard of that one Mm -hmm. but they segue into the idea of personal aircraft which they think is probably going to be like a cross between a drone and an atv sort of and of course luke loves this as well because he basically just wants to be living in the jetsons i think and they debate which will be first, the driverless cars or the personal aircraft. And Andrew says, duh, it's going to be cars because at least we have an infrastructure mapped out for cars. But once you add the third dimension for um, personal aircraft, then you're going to have some some problems, which is very um, a very good thought, Andrew. And then they talk about police helicopters in L.A. and um, – airborne policing i don't know um the idea of drone policing and it seems cool but they don't actually really like it in reality very much um moving on siri is non-practical and frustrating yes it is and so (laughs) luke has stopped trying to use any of the speech functions with siri but he still loves the amazon echo because it's less functional And his point is that anything that you would want to tell Siri to do is already available for you to do yourself on Mm -hmm. the phone. But since the Echo has limited functionality, then speaking to it actually makes sense. And then, of course, there's the embarrassment factor of talking to something in public. It's not only in public, but like when when I'm in the car with Emily and Siri is fucking up whatever I'm trying to say. I mean, I get mad. (laughs) I get mad and embarrassed and she thinks it's hilarious. And it isn't just with strangers. It's even with with your loved ones. It's like that are like making fun of you because Siri won't follow some simple fucking command. <laughs> and uh, the last time I was in San Francisco with my mom, we were getting breakfast one morning, and she decides she's gonna. Um, return some texts to her sister and she's going to do speech to text and so she's sitting there in the restaurant with me and she's holding the phone up to her mouth and she's going we are fine period Mm -hmm. how are you question mark and I'm like oh my god (laughs) I use that all the time but but never in public I use that all the time 
it's, I thought that I was supposed to be done being embarrassed by my mother, but it turns out not by a long shot. <laughs> but just as Luke is trying to stop using Siri, Andrew is trying to get into using whatever the Siri function is on the Android phone. I don't know. Um, I don't know why, but he thinks that's going to be great. And Oh, he says that Vives talks to her phone, so and he likes text-to-speech, so he's trying to do it. Uh, then we have a whole thing about low-carb pizza and Luke giving us his recipe for low-carb pizza, which is egg cream cheese and a mozzarella that makes a nice crust, and Andrew is grossed out. And I'm like, what are the limits to this gross-out factor? Because if it's baked and it looks like a and crust... And it's crispy. And... Yeah, it has a texture like a crust. Mm -hmm. Where is the gross factor in this? Where is the cheese factor in this for you, Andrew? Yeah, I get really frustrated with the with the cheese thing. It's very selective, yes. and, and I just it makes me angry. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there's talk about the low carb pizza, the chicken tikka masala that Andrew and V's made, and then the Roto Rooter guy. And I said one of these things is not like the others. Mm -hmm. And the Roto Rooter guy was in their apartment. I guess monitoring something that was going on with the plumbing in another apartment and Andrew invited him to stay for dinner, <laughs> which is cute. Uh, Luke is going to bring his scale and the laser ballness helmet on the road trip. I think this is a terrible idea. Well, at least the scale, because for the scale, if you change where you have it, it may not read the same. You need your level flat surface for a scale and he's going to have it in the RV. Again with hmm. the science hand. I'm sorry, <laughs> but the best, the best part of this was he finally acknowledged that the laser baldness helmet might not actually work. <laughs> <laughs> so expensive to, and to, I mean, I would have a hard time like admitting that if I'd spent that much money on something. I know he was like, it may not work, but eh, what do I have to lose? And I was like, $850. <laughs> And um, and then there's some talk about how he's never traveled with the laser baldness helmet before. And Andrew says, why not? You got all that time in hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. And Luke says, because I'd rather just sort of put it on and go about my business at home uh, rather than make a whole production about it. I, this whole also, thing you don't want to leave it at giving. the hotel, you know, because if you, if you leave it at the hotel, <laughs> then you've got to call. Uh, it's a what is the item again, sir? Forget it. Forget <laughs> it. Forget it. Right. Losing your passport behind the dresser. That's one thing. But the laser baldness helmet, you got to make sure you get that. I would that. let that go. <laughs> it's probably, uh, I think it's in the room safe. <laughs> <laughs> it is an expensive item. They tell you to put your valuables up. Uh, in emails for today, we get an email from Alex on the subject of cheap hotels. As Andrew was talking last week about how he will very often choose a cheaper hotel that he even needs, even when APM gives him a, a list of really nice hotels. He'll say, can't you get me something cheaper? And Alex has a story about staying at this place in Phoenix called the Victory Inn and Suites that was absolutely horrifyingly bad. He talks about people being passed out in stairways. Uh, they gave him the key to an occupied room. I, I looked up the Victory Inn and Suites on Yelp just for shits and giggles, and there are so many bad reviews. I mean, there was one guy who gave it a four-star review and was like, it's perfectly fine. And everybody else was like, why can't I give something zero stars? <laughs> Best place I've shot up all week. 
everything that Alex talked about and more was evident in those those um, reviews. So um, 50 bucks is too little in some parts of the country for a hotel room. And Luke says he doesn't actually know how much a hotel room should cost since other people are booking his travel so much for him that when he actually has to pay for something, he's really disconcerted by the, the cost of the room. Uh, I mentioned that I was not quite ready to start at our start time today because I was helping Sam with something this morning. Um, she and a friend are going to see Hamilton in June and they need a hotel room in New York for one night. And I'm the travel agent of the family, um, which is weird because I've never left Blaine. But she, they just needed a, a decently priced hotel room in New York. And, and I found them a room with two beds in it in Times Square. And it's still going to be a couple hundred dollars. And I finally just had to say, it's just the cost of doing business. You don't want to stay yep. somewhere that is significantly cheaper than the rest of the hotels in the area. Like, this is a hot wire deal. It's going to be $100 less than if you booked it direct. Um, but but you, you want to stay somewhere that's at least in the middle of the pack. Because if it's not, there's a reason. Especially in a place like Midtown Manhattan. Because right. if they can't turn those rooms for a higher profit, there's a reason why they can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they talk then about um, Luke's youthful trips to Vegas. I guess this comes from a whole bunch of people sharing a really shitty room. Um, and he tells the story about how he got so drunk that he needed to barf. Oh, that's what it was. His friend Kelly decided to shake him like a blanket on the mm. bed by his ankles until Luke needed to barf. And he went into the bathroom and there was already somebody was barfing and somebody was on the toilet for the regular reason, I guess. And so Luke actually ended up um, throwing up in the hall of the hotel room and then staggering back to bed and sleeping it off. And when he went to find it so that he could uh, tell housekeeping about it, it had already been um, cleaned up. And I guess the only saving grace on this story is that he feels bad about this because otherwise this is a disgusting story all around. <laughs> I have a little bit of sympathy for him. I mean, he, he was trying to, do the right thing and he was just i mean he's so out of it or whatever and he did feel bad so i i give him i wouldn't be too hard on him about this he didn't mean to throw Could, up in the hallway it's not what he wanted you puke in the sh in the like in the shower stall Ooh. i mean assuming the other person is puking in in the sink then the shower or the tub would be well better the, the go-to move is the trash can right um Oh, but I don't, you know, when you're that fucked up, I think he probably wanted to try to go, you know, maybe try to find another bathroom or something. <laughs> uh, may I interject with something less disgusting before we go on to Thursday? Please. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't mention the TVTL Simpsons watch at the top because it's a really quiet week. In fact, the guys don't make any, uh, as far as listener Beck could tell, and I didn't hear any either, any direct simpsons references but there is one meta simpsons reference that i don't want to let go uh which is in the topic of siri being uh non-practical and frustrating that is rooted in an article from new york magazine and luke mentions in that article that the author uses the phrase dorcas malorcus which was heavily popularized by an episode of the simpsons 
That is a phrase <laughs> that Bart uses in Bart on the Road, the 12th, excuse me, 20th episode of season seven of The Simpsons. That is the episode where he makes himself a fake ID and they take a road trip to Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, I remember that. It is a great, a great sort of uh, fourth grade road movie. Yeah, all the all the kids. It's all yeah. the boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that moment, that Dorcas Malorcas, the fact that it's in the New York Magazine article and Luke mentions that it was in that article, might be the deepest dive for a Simpsons reference we've taken yet. That's all. That's interesting because I know that phrase, but I didn't know that it came from the Simpsons. I don't Simpsons. know that it originally comes uh, from the yeah, Simpsons I don't think so much did. as just that scene. Okay. I, I, I suspect that scene is what what brings it into the lexicon uh, because the phrase is, uh, as they say in Latin, you are a Dorcas Malorcas. Um, I can only hear that in Bart Simpson's voice in my head. That's all. quite proper. All right. The final lesson from Wednesday is thank God for busy carpet patterns in hotels <laughs> to disguise your vomit. And that'll take us to Thursday, number 2368, 10 Rules for Dating My Cheese. Um, this is the third cutoff audio drop that Luke plays. That's uh, This time it's Lil Bacon. I'm more inclined to give him a pass on this since it's not the Lil Bacon drop that they play the most. They, you know, it's usually the, I, I, I hate I deals. I keep losing the I'm deals. not making any deals anymore. I ain't going to yeah. make a deal anymore. Yeah. That's the one that he normally uses. This one was slightly less well known. So he blames Jen for being a crappy audio editor. Maybe. We'll see. And then we have a little, um, um, uh, back in the day, they get into the caveman E <laughs> sound and Ander doesn't know it. So, of course, Luke has to tell the story and play and i'm just annoyed that he insists on saying neanderthal i understand that may be the correct pronunciation but nobody but luke and weirdos says neanderthal right give me a gif of a neanderthal ah god damn it (laughs) (laughs) we can't make that the show title because it won't make any sense (laughs) yeah it's true so then it's an audio joke as i said a there's there's a very long and uninteresting thing about how Andrew was trying to cut a clip for after these messages and one of the words got cut off and he went into this whole thing where he tried to pretzel it all together and he could not do it and we have to listen to his whole process and then Luke came up with a different way and challenged him and made him do it on the fly and it was just so boring yeah. to me. Yeah, Yeah. especially he says the original clip, if he had just let the clip breathe, it was funny. But he was trying to cut it Mm -hmm. in the middle. And I'm like, why are you cutting this? This is hilarious. And he did end up letting it breathe on after these messages, and it was funny. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Rudy weighs 80 pounds, not 65. I feel you, girl. Um, And now Luke and Carrie are trying to figure out how much... They should actually feed her because uh, regardless of how much they feed her, she always seems completely ravenous all day. I think Luke and Carrie are pretty soft touch as far as it goes for being pet owners. They seem Mm -hmm. to let her get away with a lot of stuff and they're just so soft hearted that they can't bear to give her any less than the three cups a day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mike, your dogs are the same way. They'll eat anything. Oh my God. Yeah. 
you have a hard heart. Right? The two the two we had before, you could keep food in their bowl all day and it didn't matter. They were never you know, they'd eat when they were hungry and they were in great shape. These two we have to monitor their food because they just want to eat everything all day. All they're looking for is food. And Rudy's the same way and it is it is a little heartbreaking when, you know, you have some food left on your plate that isn't enough to put up for leftovers, but you just can't give it to them because, you know, they've they've had enough calories and, you know, I, we we've been good about that over the last year or two, but it's it's hard because you you want them to be happy, you know, and I, it seems yeah. like Rudy even more so than our dogs, who will participate in things at the dog park and like going on walks and stuff like that. <laughs> Rudy has no other hobbies. Rudy, Rudy wants to eat, and I get it. I get that. We um, we use an automatic feeder for Cupcake, primarily so that she will get used to that rhythm. And she's gone from eating every bite of food the minute it's available and making herself sick to now leaving food in her bowl and picking at it because after months of consistency, she'll realize that's not going to be the last meal she ever gets. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to go mm-hmm. forage for the next meal. I mean, there's a skittishness here that comes with either having spent some time in the wild or having been raised with a large litter or having been raised by Susie Burbank where you're never quite (laughs) sure how much food you're going to get or when it's going to come next. And so you, Mm. you have that aggression toward it that you need to get it. Um, And if, if the feeder goes on the fritz for a day or we have to hand feed cupcake for a day, we lose it all. And we have to go back to months of getting her back in her routine because you know, uh, and now I think there's probably food in her bowl now, but if we take the feeder away, she'll freak out again. If I put a bowl of food out, she'll eat until she's sick and then wonder where the next meal is. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor cupcake. Yeah. It's primitive oh, she, brain. I mean, yeah. She, and she, we you know we, she was a rescue. Let's, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but we got her from a shelter. So I'm sure she spent at least a little time out in the wild. And so, you know, that's how that goes. So Luke and Carrie are going to have to harden their hearts or they're going to have a dog with, I don't know, heart disease? Uh, dogs don't generally get that, you know. They crush they just their get own bad, joint. Joint problems. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Mobility problems are a big thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it strikes me that a solution could be that Rudy could just eat the birds and rodents that Olive has started killing. Mm-hmm. Which is the other uh, pet-related update is that Olive brought them a dead bird and they were grossed out but also kind of proud because she's evidenced um, that she's a good cat. They thought that her vision was too poor or she just didn't understand how to do it. But yes, she can kill animals like all other cats. So they they feel sorry that she killed them but kind of proud that she killed them too. Yeah. It also set off the, uh, and... the Facebook debate about um, how there will, if Olive is allowed to continue going outside, there will be no more bird population on Alabama Hill. <laughs> uh, Meredith's not she... on the show this week, but she did put something in the show notes for this. Um, and it's written in all capital letters. Keep your damn cat inside. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by a link to a Business Insider article saying that uh, domestic cats kill between 1.4 and 3.7 billion birds 
and 6.9 to 20.7 billion mammals. That's a big range, but still. Mice, shrews, rabbits, squirrels, and voles each year, according to a mm-hmm. study published and by it, a scientist. It does say that um, that domestic cats can have can be big forces in extinction of bird and animal species. So it's really a, a bad thing to let them out to kill stuff. But I confess, I really don't care that much. <laughs> Olive says Maybe it's this fake is a, news. A, a, I'm bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> I I I understand and the the scientist within me and the person who wants the the um earth to remain populated by many vibrant species of bird and animal things yeah we should keep our our pets inside but the other part of me is like I don't care about birds. My cat would be on the other end of this equation cuz she's so tiny. If she got into our backyard all the <laughs> eagles and hawks that are fly around this neighborhood it would be it would be a victory for the for the good guys, or I guess the birds, <laughs> if she ever got out. Because there's a, maybe two kinds of birds that come in our yard that she might be able to take down, uh, but I don't think she'd ever get the chance. Yeah, it's probably better that way. Death from above would greet her. <laughs> <laughs> in top story for today, Sky Jinx Wu United Air is finally doing some meaningful damage control. They're going to as Luke suggested, cap offers at $10,000 to get people to voluntarily bump themselves off of overbooked flights. And Andrew says now maybe this is going to bring a a low bid opportunity in this. If someone says, I'll get off for $3,000 and someone says, well, I'll get off for $2,500. I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. As long as nobody else gets um, dragged out by their arms, it's fine by me. Um, there is some weird side trip into the fact that in Arizona, they binge watched a bunch of cash cab family feud and something else that I could not figure out what it was from the terrible description. And I mentioned that only because it will come in a little bit later. Um, picky eaters might be super tasters because their palates are so sensitive that they need to eat bland food. And Luke is wondering if that means that Andrew might be a super taster. And he says, no, I'm, I'm really just a big baby. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's not so much the taste of the food. Right. I was buying the science behind that. Cause I could see that if like you had super sensitive taste buds and you know, someone brings you some bitter greens and you just can't take it or whatever. But yeah, that's not Andrew. That's not Andrew. Luckily, he admitted that. No. Yeah, if you can eat French onion soup and you hate cheese, it's it's not because you're a super taster. Right. Mike, I just like that you wrote. I agree with Andrew, and then a question mark, as if you were stunned that you agreed with Andrew (laughs) on something. Uh, Yeah, I agreed with him about the. not about bananas in general, because I'll eat a banana, I'll put it in some cereal or whatever, but um, someone putting a banana peel in your personal garbage can, that is sort of an affront. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, shit, that's a shitty thing to do. Apple cores, too. I'm, I, I wouldn't limit it to bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But bananas are the one food that I am totally in step with Andrew on. I cannot stand bananas, and it's not a texture thing. It's not a smell thing. Well, it is. It's all of it. Texture, taste, and smell. I cannot stand bananas. 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean I think they smell gross the whole time. When I walk past the banana section in the supermarket, Luke, they that's fine. But it's and even a fresh peeled banana is not terrible. But once that peel has started the instant process of rotting, right. it's so pungent that that's just gross to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Andrew said something funny that I liked a lot. It's banana peels in my waste paper basket. You are my enemy. True, true, true. <laughs> I've had to yell at our interns about using my trash can for their um, perishable food items. Um, moving on, ESPN this week fired a whole bunch of on-camera talent. I think they said 100 people altogether um, because of falling revenue problems. Um, they talk about a couple uh, reasons for this. Um one is that uh, there's so much sporting content available that ESPN just doesn't have the stranglehold on the market that it used to have. So it can't charge um, the exorbitant fees to cable providers to get them in the packages. So so since people can find this content um, everywhere on the web now, um, a lot of cable uh, joints are marketing skinny cable packages that don't have ESPN. And the other reason is that people are cord cutting and just not having cable altogether. Well, DirecTV tried to do this, and, this thing to us. Um, when, when Emily, you know, she felt bad that I couldn't watch any sports and she signed up for DirecTV and the salesperson said, Oh yeah, you get all the sports package. You get all the sports. And then when we turned on the service, there was no ESPN. And, that's when I complained, and then I got the package with ESPN for the same price. But they are trying to skinny people oh, off good. of ESPN. Yeah. yeah. Well, Luke says that he'll never actually cut his cord. But he lives like a person who has become a cord cutter. Because he's an on-demand viewer only. His cable does all the work of putting all his TV together and then he just watches it whenever he feels like. And so that makes me understand that he has absolutely no idea of what cord cutting means. The second he's watching a Mariners game, he's not a cord cutter. You're watching a live Mariners game. The second he's watching house hunters, he's not a cord cutter. The second he's watching anything on HGTV, he's not the second he watches game of Thrones. Come on. He's not a cord cutter. And they talk about this and um, they seem to think that cord cutting means that you are a channel surfer. And that's just not it at all. Or the, I am a cord like, cutter. They think I it's have like, a rabbit ears on my t- TV. They think it's like super hip. It's like you want to say you're a cord cutter. Well, I'm the opposite. I, I'm I, like, you know, with um, I would before I got this, I would steal uh jeremy and christie's hbo all the time and and all of their tv i would watch the huskies through their tv and i was like i admired them because they were ballers because they had cable and then when we got when we got satellite uh, satellite tv i'm like yeah that's right put put that cord back in (laughs) i got it all baby i i think it, it's just crazy. Then they go on this tangent about Moshe Kasher's new TV show that Luke talks about 
uh, watching an Adam Carolla's new live construction show. And Luke has some criticism for both of those. And I'm like, yeah, both of those shows are on cable. Luke. <laughs> right. Of Come on. <laughs> for God's sakes. So I, I don't know. I shouldn't get so upset about it. Who cares? But as somebody who actually does not have cable and sort of affronts me. I don't do it to be hip and cool no, right, because right. I'm so cheap. I'm not paying all that money right. for cable. But um, I, I don't like him being a, a cutter poser mm-hmm. or whatever. In uh, emails for the day, uh, Zachary has a note about Luke's stolen debit card number. Um, I didn't mention before that they were looking at some of the charges and there seemed to be one that looked like a charity. And Zachary says that it's because the card thieves are testing to see if the card's still active. I don't really buy that because you can test it on anything. Test it on a purchase from Amazon.com and see if it's still um, active. But Luke thinks that he has now created the perfect way to launder money because you set up a fake charity, a fake GoFundMe or whatever, and then you funnel all, funnel all your dirty money through there and come out with nice, freshly clean cash. And I, I, I'm not sure where he's wrong with that. That seems like something that you could do. Uh, that, that's extra complicated, though. I mean, just just get a Square Swiper account or a PayPal account. I mean, there's there's sort of unnecessary extra steps with something like setting up a GoFundMe just to do all that. I guess um, I feel like stealing credit card numbers is sort of a bulk game. You just run them all, right. and if it doesn't work, yeah. you move on. Just just force them all through. I mean, the hard part is though, all of these things dead end in a bank account somewhere so somewhere you've got to have it tied back to something with your name on it i mean this gets complicated at least if it's just a paypal account you can get in and out of that money a little easier i feel like i don't know i don't want to overanalyze how to be a good money launderer (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably Uh, but i do want to dispute that charities have softer um credit card security than other companies that may have used to have been true but like my charity, the one that I manage as my profession, um, we use a third-party service provider for our credit card processing that is as secure as anything else. I mean, it's, it's integrated with Salesforce. It's the same CRM that, that for-profit companies are using all the time. Uh, so I would just uh, d- don't go assuming that all charities have shitty security. We're, we're actually very careful with things like that. Yeah, it's not that hard anymore, right? You use the approved tools and and you can do it. Right. Um, uh, Maggie has uh, something to contribute about the RV trip. She says, be sure to take the glass turntable out of the microwave, which certainly sounds like a personal experience to me. What kind of driving Uh, are you doing that that thing's... (laughs) (laughs) How badly... Oh, I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. No. So must have this gone brings the up ditch. the point that Andrew's... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so this brings up the point that Andrew is nervous that Luke is going to do things on the road trip that's potentially going to get them into trouble mm-hmm. or um, what he sees as trouble. And he brings up the the example of when they were all on the boat and they were shooting off flare guns on Lake Washington and how he felt that he was like, come on, guys, we got we to gotta behave while all the wild boys were getting crazy with it i think that's so cute um and they decide that it's actually not a bad thing because maybe andrew will tend to rein in luke's 
uh, jailable impulses a little bit, and Luke helps Andrew um, be a little bit less of a stick in the mud. Uh, Kathy has an email. She wants the guys to stop talking about the Mariners too much, too much. Um, I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's their show. They get to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And my power in the situation is whether I hit play or stop so they can talk about the Mariners. I will say that I can take football talk better because it's only 16 games a year Mm. or 17 or 20 or whatever it is if it's in the playoffs whereas baseball is 162 games and that's a lot of talk but with the mariners there's a hard cap on that because they'll never make the playoffs so (laughs) at least you know it's going to be over (laughs) they're just so excited by the start of the season that they're having a very difficult time um containing that into the no point conversion so yeah it has it has i love baseball so i I mean, I'm not a Mariners fan, so I'm not enough of a a baseball generalist that I'm like, yes, let's talk baseball all the time. But um, I see Kathy's point there, if it really is not interesting to her at all. Uh, And finally, in email, Sean Marie got a hot dog tattoo. They were talking about Andrew getting a hot dog tattoo, and Sean Marie got one with ketchup and pickles on it. And when the artist posted the pictures on the website, commenters, of course, got all judgy about ketchup on a hot dog. I wasn't sure if they got judgy about the pickle, too, but people had opinions on what was proper to put on her hot dog uh, tattoo. So for God's sake... Yeah, that this thing's been going on too long. Just let people eat eat mm-hmm. what they want to eat on it. And get whatever tattoo they want, too. Exactly. Yeah, that was the show picture. That was a fairly awesome tattoo. Yeah. Also, Sean Marie, welcome to Rhode Island. Drop me a line, would you? If there aren't <laughs> a lot of tents in Rhode Island, we'd love to meet you. Oh, absolutely. That would That would be great. So Friday... 2369, a hard maybe. This is a quick show, and I'll try to get us through it quickly. Uh, the sausage edit is revisited in the, in the intro. Um, Andrew does not have a music for your weekend. He's feeling pretty stressed about it. He is also uh, embarrassed about his text rant because he was um, he'd heard that the that the Browns didn't draft a quarterback at 12 with their second pick and he lost his mind in the text chain, but he doesn't really understand football or the draft. So the guys who do understand those things in that text chain set him straight and he wanted to delete it. But, um, texts are, texts are forever, right? I don't think, I don't think if it's on somebody (laughs) else's phone, you can never get it off there. Um, Luke gets fooled by his navigation system. So he's late for the recording. Uh, it gets him off the I-5 about 20 miles north of Andrew's apartment. And this this never would have happened back in the day when, you know, you just had your Thomas Guide in the car. I used to love a Thomas Guide. Bobby, you ever have one of those? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, we had, uh, you know, Rand McNally Atlas uh-huh. and various local maps. But I never actually had an honest to God Thomas guide. Oh, those are great and and really practical because when, when back when I was in the the pizza business on every every Friday and even some Saturday nights, we had to as corporate office people go out into the restaurants and worked. And my favorite thing was driving, and we had all these different restaurants. 
And so, you know, I didn't know the areas very well. So all I needed was my Thomas guide and I would, you know, find where I was going. And then sometimes you got to switch the pay, you know, turn the pages, but it always got you where you're going. Mm -hmm. It never lied to you. Mm -hmm. Never lied. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing about this is that Luke says that the robot misled him. But as Phyllis would say, this was a classic pebcac situation. The problem exists between the... (laughs) keyboard and chair this is luke's mistake for putting the wrong address in mm-hmm. the robot yeah that filthy address whatever that filthy address is that got i mean we're sure series <laughs> not just taking it out on him for wednesday's show yeah little I, you little never revenge know. for be. talking about her shortcomings yeah <laughs> alexa the new gal has turned his head Chris Hayes is uh, the guest for the day, and he opens by uh, quoting the quoting the George Brett stuff and telling it. You know, he he said that he's been dining out on Luke's shit story, Kingdom shit story. Uh, what was the the funniest part about this whole visit from Chris is that he doesn't remember meeting Andrew at Luke's house. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. And Andrew keeps bringing it up. So rough. Andrew handled it really well. But but when someone doesn't remember meeting mm-hmm. you and you spent like an hour or two with them, that's a rough that's a rough stretch for your ego. Uh, and they were talking about how Cubs fans were everywhere in Arizona. They're always everywhere in Arizona. The Cub, there are a lot of Cubs fans, and I just imagine that's uh, there's even more now that they're successful because you have the people that have been following the cubs mm-hmm. forever and were miserable and then of course you've got the you know people like my my nephew who when the when michael jordan was on the bulls that he went and got all the gear and you know they're always going to be the front runner so <laughs> i i could imagine there's more cubs fans than probably any other team at this point even the yankees luke had a plan to do a spoof uh he was going to learn um, Photoshop, and he was going to do do a whole meme <laughs> about how he hated Chris Hayes, and then the Mariners beat the Cubs in the World Series, and now he loves Chris Hayes. Ah, uh, oh boy, every time Luke talks about the Mariners winning the World Series this year, I, I hope it stops soon because <laughs> it's, it's painful for me. It's just never going to happen. I can't even picture it in my mind. So, um. The All In viewers is that's his show now. All In, right? Because he used to be like up. He used up to be all, up with Chris Hayes. Now he's All with, In with Chris Hayes. All In with Chris Hayes because it's yeah. it's more of a prime time show. They've skyrocketed since uh, the campaign and the election, which I'm so happy for Chris. And I still mm-hmm. wish that none of this had happened. I wish he was still plugging along at six hundred thousand viewers. Uh, because I'm, I'm so sorry all of this happened. But at least at least someone we like has benefited from all this yeah, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tweedy trolling is discussed, and he tells the story of, of uh, his interactions with Jeff Tweedy that made Luke so jealous. It was some pretty quality <laughs> trolling, you know. I, I was following it online, and... Um, I think Luke put up a couple texts on Twitter or something too that he was getting. Anyway, it was good to see someone uh, more famous than him trolling him about someone more famous than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the reason Chris originally called 
in was to defend the Judgment Night soundtrack. Um, and then that led to a discussion of, of music and that Luke was a bad music dad and that he, he didn't buy the uh, Rafi music, but instead made Addie listen to all of his uh, mopey indie rock. And it's turned her into a mm -hmm. music aficionado who now has her own middle of the night program on Friday mornings, two to four on the campus radio station Good where for her. she plays CDs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, did you, Bobby, you did some of those stretches, right? I did. Uh, I did a year. Uh, thank God prime time. But, uh, my claim to fame was I had the jazz show because nobody wanted it. Sorry, Mary. Oh. And, um, but I had a heavy hand in programming it. And also, uh, my show was like seven to 10 on Thursday nights, which was exactly when the station staff meeting was happening. Hmm. <laughs> so I not only got to skip all the meetings and DJ for three hours, but I could also do whatever I want because I knew none of my bosses were listening. Because they mm -hmm. were all at the staff meeting. Um, God, did you plan it that I way? I got very lucky. <laughs> wow. So I kind of had free reign to just talk and do whatever I wanted on the air for three hours at a time. Um, but mainly what I would do is put on a 45-minute long jam recording and then just do my homework. Huh. Because that's the delight of jazz. Yeah, well done. I mean, I don't, I don't hate jazz i would just never seek it out i mean it, it doesn't bother me like bluegrass music does it doesn't actively make me angry like bluegrass music and banjo music so right. i'm not in, in meredith's camp totally on that one well i mean it was fine i was happy to do it uh to help out and uh make some friends at the radio station and then move on because i only did it for one year so the guys get philosophical about music and how um, closing down to new music and just choosing the music that uh, you listen to from, you know, when you were a teenager to your mid-20s or late-20s, you just groove back into that and how that's part of the dying process is is <laughs> just closing yourself down to new things like that. And one interesting point that Chris made was that when you were a kid, um, Bobby, you didn't experience this, but scarcity and whatever your music collection was, physical musical collection, controlled the intensity of your music listening. You know, if if um, if if you had if you had like fifteen or twenty albums and you were sick of listening to them all, I mean, that sucked because now you got to go spend some, you got to go spend like. $12 and and buy something new and now is it everything's out there nothing costs anything mm -hmm. you've misjudged my age slightly I did that was my teenage years mm -hmm. uh, before the internet really uh, blew up into something that could take over music I owned albums um, cassettes and then CDs and mm -hmm. I was late to the CD game so I had cassettes longer than a lot of people and yeah, you you played them through, and I made mixtapes. I taped things off the radio. Uh, that was a, a big part of my youth. And I also took took tape players apart and tried to put them back together again, and did all that <laughs> kind of stuff that that boys do. So sorry to be gender normative, but I didn't know any girls who were <laughs> taking apart cassette tape players. I only knew idiot guys like me who were doing that in the summer instead of being outside, being athletic and normal. I sort of feel like my my interest in new music 
really dwindled once I had a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just coincidental that I bought my house when I was 31. And so that was right about the right time for that to happen. But it just seemed like I was so consumed with so many other things in my brain, you know, paying the mortgage and paying the utilities and making a living that music just went down the priority list for me by a long ways. Yeah. It's about the right age. I, I, I don't know. After when I got out of prison at about 32, I just didn't after that, you know, cause I listened to the radio while I was in prison. So I would listen to new music, but after I got out, I didn't seek it out anymore. It was, seemed like it was too much of a chore to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Hayes loves Debbie Gibson. Um, so does Christy. Of course he does. Chris, Christy noted that I believe they had the same first album. It's not bad. So, pop. Just a little. Yeah. And let's see. Music for your weekend. Andrew, Hoodie Allen, No Interruption. Luke, Tops, Pedals, um, which borrows heavily from the fix for their riff. Uh, one thing leads to another. It's, I don't know, sounded the same to me. But when you get old also, when you hear new music, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that song from 1985. You know, mm-hmm. they're, just, <laughs> they're just laying over some different lyrics. Uh, Chris Hayes' song, he is the guest, I mean, he is the uh, listener selection, and it's Dinosaur Jr. and Del the, Frun- Del the Funky Homo Sapien Missing Link. Um, I didn't care for it, but it's uh, not for me. So, yeah, that's all. We well, have. I mean, if you didn't hate at least some of the music, who who would you be? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If I liked all three selections, then you'd I'd, you'd have to take my temperature. Uh, Andrew's not sure where he heard that hoodie Allen song. By the way, that's because it was a TBTL song of the summer 2012 entrant. Ah. That makes sense. It took me a minute to remember what year it was, but I'm pretty sure I first heard that song as part of a TBTL Song of the Summer, so I just had to go back and look. But it's still on the TBTL Song of the Summer 2012 Spotify playlist that somebody it's made. It's very good song. Yeah, it is. Uh, slightly troubling. We talked about that off the air, but for the most part, some really tight, um, tight wordplay in there. Housekeeping, the archive project. We're going to keep this short and sweet. Keep on archiving, guys. Um, News soon from our next uh, Wagon Full of Loot winner uh, right here on these airwaves, uh, these digital, digital Yeah, you know airwaves. how much people like watching those unboxing videos? Let's see if we can get them excited <laughs> about our, you know, our unboxing episodes. It's true. The funny thing is the minute that our next uh, raffle full of uh, Wagon Full of Loot winner uh, takes, takes the loot out of the wagon, it'll never fit back in there again. No, just this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll, it expands. It fills up with air so fast. Uh, Amazon, littlebybamwagon.com slash Amazon and earbuds and earworms this week is about weird love songs. I have not had a chance to listen yet, but I am excited to see that I picked a really creepy song <laughs> that made the cut. Oh, it made it in okay. the show notes. Apparently it did. It looks like it did. So I'm curious to, s- to listen through that. All right, if you'd like to get involved with the show, you can visit us on the website, littleredbandwagon.com, and fill out the form to be a guest like Caleb and come share your favorite TBTL moments and talk about why TBTL matters to you. 
Uh, you can always post to our Facebook page. We've had a lot of good comments going on over there, and we're around the Stens page as well. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. And as always, send us a voicemail or text at 802-432-TVTL. That's 802-432-8285. I will get us out of here. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen, and I don't believe it was you who screwed up that audio. (laughs) Nailed it. Let me just take a sip of my broadcast coffee before we start. How's the taste? <sighs> Delicious. And I'm not just saying that for the hopes that they'll send us free coffee. But, you know, if they want to, they know where to find me. I just need to get a little more bourbon in me before we get started. <laughs>